taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3 and 8 to 16. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky, and as innumerable as the grains of sand along a seashore. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. But those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they had come from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Your word. And uh, Lord, I thank you that uh, it still speaks, that it's never lost one ounce of the power which it had when it was first written. We thank you, Lord, for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you spoke through men through the ages as they wrote down what you, you asked them to write, Lord, and yet you spoke through their own individual circumstances and their personalities as well. Lord, I pray that uh, as we look a little bit deeper at your word, that you would... Speak to our hearts in a way that is needed. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> uh, just a quick question. Do you have a sheet of paper with the scripture on it? Yes, marvellous, good. Because usually we have a nice little screen. But uh, this morning, if you don't have a sheet, then raise your hand up and we would love to get that to you. So uh, if there's someone at the back, maybe Matthew or Nathan, if you wouldn't mind just... Uh, Grab one of those sheets, and uh, if you can just look for the hands, so just raise those hands so that uh, you can be, if you have the Bible, uh, your own physical copy, or on your phone, then that's fine as well. It's just that usually we have the screen, but um, it, uh, it didn't work this morning, so uh, I gave up. Uh, that's the long and the short of it. Um, last week, if you remember, I talked about the five big reasons why personal storage um, is such a uh, huge business here in Canada. And uh, we said that 
it, it's, big business, it's big business because of death and disaster and divorce and dislocation and also downsizing. And then I said that these kind of storage units uh, that many people use nowadays can sort of act as a, as a symbol to show how we as human beings cope with life. So we accumulate and we gather and we store in order to, to um, really protect ourselves because we're afraid. Uh, so our money, our stuff, our possessions act as a sort of a comfort blanket for us. But um, you know, the question that I have this morning is, what if we didn't have to be afraid? What if we could believe in a truth that would let us release uh, our hold on the stuff that we have so that we can take hold of something uh, much, much better, something that is eternal? And that's what this morning's lectionary scripture is about. And this this morning, we actually start a new summer series, a short summer series that uh, that we're calling Foundations of Faith. And uh, and all of us, every single one of us, I know this, is that we're all looking for something solid, something firm. We're all looking for a foundation. We're all looking for a foundation of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10 says this, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Now, I love that the author of Hebrews, who we don't know who, who the author was, um, there are lots of um, thoughts, but we don't know who the author of, of Hebrews is, but he, or uh, some, some say even she, um, they describe the father of faith, Abraham, as looking forward to the city with foundations, which means that Abraham, as he thought about the city of foundations, he was excited. He was hungry for the city which had foundations. Now, I don't know where we came up with this idea that heaven is clouds and froth and light and spirits floating around, um, but this author, Scott McKnight, shares some of his ideas where we get this idea of heaven from. Uh, he says, have we heard about this idea of this kind of um, esoteric, floaty, spiritual heaven? Where have we heard it? Have we heard it from our mum and dad? And Scott McKnight says, yes. Have we heard it from trusted pastors and teachers? Yes, he asks. Have we heard it from internet blogs? Yes. Have we heard it from our own experience or the experience of others? Yes. Have we heard it from our hopes, wishes, and expectations? Yes. Have we heard it from the greats of literature, from, um, from Milton or maybe Dante? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Have we heard it from movies? Yes. Have we heard it from the Bible? And Scott McKnight says... I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not so sure. And, but one of the reasons I think that we hold on to our stuff with such tight fists now is because our idea of heaven is hazy. Um, but even though our idea of heaven, heaven might be hazy, some of the strongest images in the Bible are reserved for heaven of this idea of heaven coming to earth. Revelation chapter 21 verse 2 says, uh, I also saw the holy city, the, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 26 says this, His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, 
indicates the removal of what can be shaken, that is, the created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and by it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So this holy city, the new Jerusalem, is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It is not hazy, it is unshakable, it is firm, it is solid, it is earthquake-proof. It is the city with, with foundations, and as we just heard in Hebrews chapter 12, we are receiving it. It's ours for the waiting. But everything else here that is on earth, that is not part of that kingdom, that is not part of that city, will be shaken in the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse number 21, it says, Speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah. I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and I will destroy the power of the Gentile kingdoms. So the created things, the things around us, the things that we value and prize and place our trust in, these things that look so firm right now, the systems and the structures, these will all be shaken. The storage units will be rubble. And after the shaking of the world and the cosmos has ended, what will be left will be unshakable. It's like a universal game of last man standing. Whatever is left is the winner. And, and by you know, the virtue of what it is, it is unshakable. And those things that will be left are incredible and they will stand the test of time. How do I know this? Because what is left has been, uh, has been made by God. He is the architect. He is the builder. Hebrews 11, verse number 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And, you know, and that's our theme this morning, is that God is the architect and the builder. And next week, we will look at how Jesus is the author and the finisher. So, I want you to imagine that, you know, you, you come back from a lovely vacation and as you drive up the driveway, you see smiling me in your driveway, okay? And I have a hammer in my hand, not in a, you know, horror movie kind of way, but, you know, I genuinely look nice and friendly. And I say to you, look, I value our friendship so much that while you were, were away, I built you a deck around the back of the house. Now, I'm not sure how excited you would be. If you know me, your level of excitement at that news would go less and less. And then I say to you, look, why don't you come around the back and I want to see you jump up and down on it so that you can show me uh, how firm it is and so that you can understand that for yourself. I would imagine that, again, your level of excitement and really, really depending on how much you value my our friendship or the fact that I'm the pastor would really dictate whether you do it or not. Why is this? Why would you not be excited? Well, because my deck will not withstand the shaking of you skipping around on it. However, if Chris O'Reilly was in your driveway when you came back and he said to you, while you were away, I built you a deck you might be a bit more excited or a lot more excited. If Chris was the architect and the builder of 
you know, the decker on the back of your house, then you could do anything you want to do on that surface, and you know that it would survive. And so when Abraham is, is, uh, is shown as looking forward to this city that has foundations and the architect and the builder is God, then you know that what has been created is well constructed, is being well made. This is red seal level construction. And this is something that we can all look forward to, to anticipate, to fantasize over or to dream over. Um, it's this reality of a city with foundations that brings us joy as we live in the campground of life on earth because one day we know that we're leaving this campground and we're going home or in fact as we read in the book of revelations the home is actually coming to us heaven comes to earth hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 says this um Verse 13 says, These all, all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, and they greeted them, and they confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity return, to return, uh, but they now desire a better place. A heavenly one, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a city for his family, a city with foundations, a city, if you can imagine, that God designed and built himself. We're in the process as a church, as many of you are aware of, uh, trying to help a Ukrainian family leave Ukraine and move to safety here, here in Canada. And, you know, th throughout the week, uh, me and Kim are messaging back and forth and, uh, and we're trying to figure out how we can help them on the Canadian side as they navigate this refugee process from the Ukrainian side. And, you know, the reason why we're doing this is because of this sad reality that they're leaving a war zone um, you know, you know, that they, they call home. And, you know, the very fact that they need to leave their home country uh, is a heartbreaking sign of what's going on in their nation. I mean, no one wants to leave home and go to a foreign country about which they know nothing, right? No one wants to do that. If, if, if we suddenly had war and you suddenly had to leave and to go to Argentina and to make a home there, in a new country with a new language, how would you feel about it, right? However, if you knew that there was a support structure of people who cared about you and who had things set up for you, uh, who'd established things for you, ready to move into and to make yourself at home, do you think that maybe that might make the transition uh, a little bit easier? Especially if your current home was a place of continual threat and war and brokenness. And I would imagine probably so. You see, from where our Ukrainian friends are standing, there is so much uncertainty. There is so much that is unknown. But here, on this side of the process, I know something that they don't know. I've been to the house that is waiting them here in North Gore. I've walked into the basement of Ron and Marcia's house and I've seen the linens on the bed and I've looked at the kitchen area and I've looked at the walkout basement. I've seen, you know, the stuffed animals ready for the kids on the beds and the, you know, on the lights next to each bed. I've felt 
the area rugs under my feet as I walk through. And I'm excited for them because I have seen the home with foundations that is waiting for them. But they haven't yet. All that they know is that there are some people, hopefully with good intentions, who are on the other side of this rather scary process. But, but it's all a bit hazy for them, right? And so for our Ukrainian friends to make the transition from where they are and what they know to where their future home is, something important is required. Otherwise, they won't step on that plane. And that thing that they need is faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And Maybe this morning we're not in a war zone, but this idea of faith is very important to us as well it, because it says we look forward to God's city, the city with foundation, uh, the city uh, that, that, that cannot be shaken in faith, that we're able to leave behind what is comfortable. So how's your faith this morning? Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. There's a reason why Abraham is called the father of faith. Um, he left his home and he went to where God was calling him to. He left, he, he left Haran and he ended up in the promised land in the land of promise. And that's why he's called the father of faith, or one of the reasons. And here's the reality, is that we encounter God more regularly and more powerfully when we leave what is comfortable, when we leave what we know. When we step out in faith, that's why we go to camp, right? Uh, that's why we do short-term mission trips. That's why uh, so many of the things that are scary moments in life end up being the ones that later we remember because we encounter God when we leave what is comfortable. Stepping out in faith is always worth it every single time. Abraham became the father of faith. And as Galatians 3 verse 9 says, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Okay, one more time. Galatians 3 verse 9. Those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham who had faith. And so when we take a step of faith led by God, we're blessed with Abraham himself. We're, we're moving in a heady crowd of uh, Amazing, amazing people. But why would we leave behind what is comfortable? Here's why. Because one day all of this stuff is going to be shaken. And only what is unshakable will, will remain. And that thing that is unshakable is the city of God, the city that has foundations. It's our belief in a physical heaven on earth that releases our grip on the temporary because we're longing for our home. And it is this that will inspire the next generation of those who will dwell in tents. As, as we get comfortable living in a tent, we will raise up 
kids. We will raise up people. We will, let, we will raise up friends. We will raise up people who, who look to us who also get comfortable living in tents. Hebrews 11 verse 9 says this, by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob co-heirs of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. But listen to that. For, um, by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac, his son, and as did Jacob, his grandson, co-heirs of the same promise. So if you want to inspire faith in your life, faith to cause you to leave what is comfortable or known, start memorizing scriptures about heaven. Start actually getting to grips with what this new heavens and the new earth will look like. Start learning about what the Bible says, not what culture imagines about heaven. You know, I I am not inspired at all by the idea of floating around for an eternity in a spiritual state. Not interested at all. But heaven on earth, walking around, seeing people in our resurrection bodies, that excites me. A city with foundations whose architect and whose builder is God. And if you want to inspire faith in the next generation and get them comfortable in living in a tent, then start um, memorizing scripture about heaven. I, I went camping last week with some, some guys. Hands up if you were there. Amazing time. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, while we were around uh, the campfire, one of the men told me about this time that they went camping as a church. Um, I think that's what the story was. And uh, in that church, they had someone uh, in that church from a lower income country, uh, and they were invited to this camping experience. And this person refused. Uh, Why would they choose to camp, to live outside and to cook their own food when they have a nice home to live in? And you get their point, right? If, if your life has been the equivalent of one big camping trip, then the idea of going camping suddenly isn't as exciting. It really doesn't make sense. Uh, in fact, the largest, refugee in the, uh, the, the largest refugee camp in the world is called Kakuma, and it is it's in the country of Kenya. And in 2015, uh, there were over 1,000... 180,000 people living in this refugee camp. And the second biggest refugee camp is called Hagadera, also in the country of Kenya, and there are over 105,000 people making their home there. Now, I might be wrong, but it's hard to imagine people in refugee camps uh, going on a camping trip. Hey, let's leave our tent and let's go out further into the wilderness, into the desert, and stay in a tent right? It doesn't make sense. You know, the whole idea of a camping trip is that it, it, it only makes sense when you have a home to go to, a, a place where all your stuff is, a, a home that has a foundation which is permanently grounded in a specific location. And so here in Canada, which is a higher income country, we have a history of camping and of glamping and of trailers and of maybe cottages because um, it's the house that you get to go home to uh, that enables you to enjoy uh, the temporary nature of the tent or the trailer. Looking forward to God's city, which we will receive, lets you leave behind what is comfortable. 
and, and looking forward to God's city allows yourself to make yourself at home in the temporary. You leave what is comfortable and you make yourself at home. This is this is your region. This is what you love. You're, you're happy being here in the temporary. And we see this in Hebrews 11 verse 9. By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of, in the land of promise, um, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. Or as it says in the New International Version, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. Okay, listen to those words. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. One more time. He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And, and, and so this whole, whole idea of making his home like a stranger, okay, making your home like a stranger. I find that phraseology is extremely interesting. Making, how do I make my home like a stranger? How can I live in a tent? You can make yourself at home in the temporary. That's what Abraham shows us. Now, hands up if anyone here likes camping or has ever gone camping or Plans to go camping at some point in their life, maybe. Okay? Right? I like camping. But the whole idea about camping is that there is an element of faith. Right? Meaning this. Maybe you've never thought that there's an, an element of faith when, when you go camping, but there is. Because when you're physically at the campground, you need a certain amount of faith that your home with foundations is going to be there where you, where you get back. Right? If you, were, if you were constantly doubting that your home, that your real home w- was, would be there when you got home after camping, it would affect your trip. In fact, uh, in, in fact, let's imagine that there's something bad in the water at the campsite and it does something to your mind, okay? And, and you reach a place in here and in here where you believe that, that your home, your, your, your real home, your home f- with foundations is not real, that you made it up, that, that there was nothing to come home to. Though this would impact your, your camping experience. Now, imagine if everyone in the campground was drinking from the same water and everyone was going through a crisis of faith because they'd all drank the same water, that they were all sick with whatever it is that made them temporarily lose their minds. And so they're, you know, you're all in the campground and someone starts a rumor that this home with foundations, it's a conspiracy, that it's not real, that all that exists is the campsite and the tents and the trailers and the bicycles and the camp stoves and the cots and the sleeping bags. This is all that there is. And then they start to say, well, if you believe that there's an actual home with foundations, then maybe you're not right in the head because clearly this is all that there is. Because are you able to see this home of which you speak? No. All there is is the campground. And so in this fictitious scenario, uh, just think about how quickly people would start investing in nicer trailers, nicer equipment, more comfortable camp chairs. Uh, and then they'd see their neighbors with their new, 
new things and then there would be this whole keeping up with the Joneses thing going on and eventually this campsite would start to take on a more maybe permanent um, sense. But you know the thing is that no one's enjoying the camping experience anymore because they believe that this is all that there is. And then what would happen if someone then walked into the campground with their basic but comfortable two-person tent and they saw all this building and investment and upgrading and upsizing and they were like, what on earth is going on here? I thought this was a campground and everyone's like, well, what's your problem? We're just improving our homes. Don't judge us. Anyways, you know, look at the size of your teeny tiny house. How can you live in that teeny tiny house? And this person's like, well, this isn't my house. What are you talking about? I'm just here for a few days and then I'm heading home. Haven't you all got homes to go to? Haven't you all got homes to go to? Hebrews 11 verse 9, by faith He stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. Verse 10, by faith, Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham knew that he had a home to go to, a city with foundations, whose architect and whose builder is God himself. And it's because he knew that he had a home to go to that he could enjoy the experience of temporary camping without for one second believing that this tent was all that he had. Next week, we're going to look at the idea that Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And I believe that as we count on the truth that God is the architect and the builder of our city with foundations, and as we believe that Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, that we will respond to God's call to go, whatever that looks like, in faith, just like Abraham did. You know that uh, every building needs a cornerstone, and our city with foundations needs a cornerstone. It's a stone that is laid that serves as a reference point for all of the other stones in the building. You know, the cornerstone orientates the, uh, the, you know, the whole of the construction. And the cornerstone of our city with foundations was laid 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. And this cornerstone is permanent It is secure. Jesus' blood forms, uh, you know, all the cement. His sacrifice is the basis for our security. And Ephesians chapter 2, as we wrap up, says this. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as that cornerstone. And in him, the whole building being, being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Friends, we're... We're living in a tent city. We're living in a refugee camp and we're being told that this is our home. And we've bought into this idea of a vague floaty heaven. Um, And since we think that, it's no wonder that we grab onto whatever we can while we're here on earth. You You know, that's why we covet and 
we accumulate and we hoard. You know, heaven is the most real thing and yet we treat it like a dream. And the most insubstantial thing, this life, we actually treat like it's the only concrete thing. We've reversed our realities. And so I I wonder for you, what is the lie that you are currently believing? And if you want to find out that lie, then just look at the way you are living. Look at what it is that occupies your mind and your attention and your brain space. And if you have no time for the things of God or for a life of faith, because your bandwidth is so caught up with the anxiety of the future or with um, holding on to things, then maybe you need to get a new vision of heaven, which is the end or the purpose. This is where your faith ends. Or maybe you need to return to the cross, that cornerstone of our faith, because Hebrews tells us that when we look forward to a city with foundations, we will leave what is comfortable and we're happy to make ourselves at home in the temporary. This hope of heaven leads to a life of faith. The hope of a city with foundations allows us to trade in our comfort for a tent. And so as the worship team comes up, Let us pray. Lord, I confess that I've been a criminal. I've stolen your breath and I've sang my own song. Lord, I confess that I'm far from innocent, that these shackles I wear, I bought on my own. Lord, I confess that I've been a prodigal made for your house, but I walked my own roads. Then Jesus came. He tore down my prison walls. Death came to life when he called me by name. 